It is going great. Good to see you. You too. Thank you for asking me to be on your show. Well, Glenn, you know, space and UFOs, I mean, this thing is, is going vertical now. Um, everything is starting to come out in waves and uh, concerning UFOs and, um, or how they say, unidentified aerial phenomena. I mean, just a matter of semantics. They're always changing. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, you know, talking about moon bases, whether or not they exist or what's going on up there, whether they're hiding is, is so relevant to the conversation. I had to have you on the program. Well, I appreciate it. And hopefully we can answer some of those questions because there is a catastrophic um, veil of misinformation being perpetrated about this subject. And unfortunately, the greater part of it comes and is generated from the UFO community. The government has ceased to a certain extent their misinformation program already since the 70s because they found out the cadre of UFO people did a very good job of messing it all up themselves. They didn't have to be involved. Mm -hmm. And so you get you hear a lot of information as you mentioned but not all that information is applicable nor is it well thought through i give you an example you mentioned oh you know that uh, they uh it was said that um, by one particular noteworthy individual that the um, space visitors are hiding from mm -hmm. us so that they don't cause panic and nothing could be further from the truth. If you look uh, in the historical records, they've been with us for 4,000 years. If that's hiding, boy, they're not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> no. And so, so what happens is the common ploy that is used is to take somebody with a recognizable name because that's what people want. They want to have somebody that is uh, shall we say noteworthy, tell them what to think. That way they don't have to think for themselves. So they have this individual who, know, who also works for the intelligence community for decades, and we all know the information that comes through the intelligence community is highly censored, and they have to sign documents that uh, state that they cannot discuss this subject, and it is... Uh, ultra top secret and there are severe penalties jail time massive fines all of this that is uh, outside the regular court system mm -hmm. so what happens is is as you get some of these people there's one gentleman that has worked for the DOD according to him overseas for over 20 years as a debunker now mm -hmm. all of a sudden he is not a debunker anymore he's out there feeding you information a whole lot of it, which is a bunch of bull. And um, so it is a, a a subject that needs to be addressed, and that's what I'm addressing now in my la last book, my latest book that I sent you the cover of, mm -hmm. that I hope to have done in about six six months. Okay, and then uh, once once that book is uh, uh, published, then you'll have uh, that ought to be on Amazon? Uh, what happens is the book that you see there is my late father's book from 1969. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happens is that's the book there that uh, my la last 
book here that's coming out. Okay. And it will come out, it depends on what the publisher does. If the publisher, uh, many times I make the books available uh, through uh, abe.com, which is uh, a Canadian company. Uh, eBay, you'll find me on. Amazon, you'll find me on. So um, it all depends on uh, and the publishers and what they decide to do and how they dis decide to distribute it or whether they leave that up to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned about uh, how that... Uh... You said until the UFO uh, industry or people, however you want to call them as a, as a group, screwed things up. Kind of remind me of uh, uh, when, I think a few years ago, uh, Bob Bigelow from uh, Bigelow Airspace, you're probably aware yeah. of that. Uh, I think, didn't he offer like a couple million dollars for the three major U ufology groups if they could get their get together and then uh, produce something or work together and, and they couldn't. So he took his money back because they just would not work together. No, they don't uh, want to. And I give you an example when they did the uh, congressional, well, actually it wasn't even Congress, uh, the disclosure hearings. It was a bunch of people that were retired from mm -hmm. their field. Stephen that Greer. Took up, yeah. And uh, people who put that together like uh, Dr. Greer and, and uh, other people, um, they showed a bunch of uh, uh, UFO photos that they had been collected. And one of the premier photos they showed was George Adamski's photo in which they did not give credit to the author. They did not credit everybody else. They said so-and-so took this picture here and here and there and there, but not George. And that is because the UFO community tries desperately to ostracize George. Mm -hmm. Because, first of all, there are no pictures like his. And quickly to mention, that is, a, that is um, Earth sunrise on the moon. And what you can see there is as the, sun as the Earth comes up, you can see the reflectivity of the uh, Earth light on the lunar atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so that, the reason that I included that, you can see that, that it's... It bounces off of that. And a lot of the misnomers, especially this ridiculous accusation that we never went to the moon, is all a bunch of horse pucky. Because when you look at the tens of thousands of microfish and catalogs, of which only a fraction that we had access to in the 1970s before this even became vogue, you could clearly see that, uh, that we were orbiting the moon that we left material on the surface and we have uh, telescopic photos from the 200-inch uh, uh, Hale Observatory Mount Palomar of the equipment that's left on the moon from the Apollo series. And so what has happened is, is people have magnified their, well, what's the best way to put it, ignorance on the conditions on the moon. So they said, well, look, when they planted the flag, it was waving, so it must have been in a studio. Absolutely not. There is a light lunar atmosphere, and it has been recorded for decades. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is it, this is interesting. It, I heard you say that on, with Art Bell that there there is an atmosphere, and really, um, I'm sure a lot of people, of course, would dispute that. But wouldn't that validate why that flag was going back and forth? Because there's actually absolutely. Well, and there you they go. can't dispute it because it's fact. When they opened the lunar hatch, they had 2.5 psi. So that's pounds per square inch. And as you well know, with a pressurized hull, you can't open a hatch unless the outside pressure and the inside pressure are the same. 
And then they show some of the lunar pictures that I sent you show clouds and mists moving along the lunar surface. Mm -hmm. You can't sustain clouds and mist without a compatible temperature mm -hmm. and hey, also um, the atmosphere to support it. It is, it is as clear as day. Hey, Glenn, I do have some pictures here ready. Uh, which, uh, what's the name of the uh, picture with the clouds? Do you know? Uh, there's uh, two of them, in fact. Okay. There's one on the first uh, orbit, and uh, and first then orbit. as the second orbit comes around, that whole area has mm -hmm. moved what, what, what's uh, to the, the north of the picture. Yeah, what's I'm the, trying what's, to find okay. out here. Okay, trying, that's fine, sure. Trying to look and see, and hopefully I don't mess this up. Um, mm, let's see here. Now, the ones I sent you... All righty. View. Which icons? Okay. It is a. There are two photos. I think a 10 9 2009 and a 10 9 2009 111 Charlie. I believe that that's. Uh, it may be a different one because this is a different file, but it's a, still the same photo. Hmm. So the. It, if you look at the photos, keep going. There's one of them. There's oh. the second one of it. Oh, here, go me, back to the first one. Okay, let me get out of the picture here. Get you out. Okay, let's go back to the first one. Stand by. Uh, right here. Here you go. Now, if you look at NASA's <clears throat> 1966 chronicle, uh, chronology of lunar observations, it goes back 200 years, and it lists clouds, mist, colored lights, moving objects, so on and so forth. And if you look at this one on this orbit, you'll see that if you look at the crater, most of the crater is obscured. You cannot see the northern lip of it at all. Now go to the second photo on the next orbit, and you can see the entire crater, and the whole mist has moved up to the north of that crater. I see that, yeah, it definitely has moved, it moved, uh, that, it moved north. That's right, and this is only one of of the many many photos that we put in the, my father put in the first book in 1981 I, uh, we discovered alien bases on the moon and then I upgraded it by simply adding just two additional uh, chap uh, chapters. Glenn, Glenn Steckling is that H2O based clouds or is it some kind of acid cloud like you'd find on Saturn? No it's an H2O based cloud because we know the moon has water. In 1971 if you look it up and I have the release the Apollo instrumentation measured 7 to 14 hours of water geyser spraying out of the lunar surface. This is 1971. And now we go 40 years later, and then they say, oh, well, gee, looks like we found water on the moon. And then we tried to deny it until China and India sent their probes there, or the Japanese, mm -hmm. pardon me, and they confirmed it. So what wow. happens is, is you have H2O uh, that is beneath the surface, mm -hmm. and they say that there's enough underground water that if it would be surface, it would cover the entire surface for 50 feet. So you have underground water, you have atmospheric pressure, you also have what's called a space wind, and that is a slow movement of space and the celestial body at the same time mm -hmm. against each other as they move. So you have these three factors right away that deal with the flag. 
The next is you look at the lunar rover. And as it drives across the surface of the moon, you see the dust behind the tires like you would in the desert when you're driving your dune buggy floating behind the tire and drifting down to the surface of the moon. You got to have atmospheric pressure and gravity to draw that down. Otherwise, it would just keep floating away. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the movie Armageddon with Bruce Willis. And the, the female sergeant said to Bear, uh, said, Bear, what would happen if I kicked you in the nuts? He goes, I'd fly away. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, there you he go. Goes, yeah, you would fly away, but it'd also be very painful. So we're going to talk about that. But uh, so, yeah. Uh, so now you, you you shocked the audience, which is great. So we got we got geysers. We got clouds. We got atmosphere. Sounds like you're developing a case for a civilization to exist there, uh, Glenn. You have gravity as and, well. And gravity. We, now, what's, what's we, the person? We have mathematically proven the gravity on the front side of the moon to be 64% that of Earth. So in other words, when astronaut Collins jumped in his full space pack, a young he was, astronaut young, he could only jump 20 centimeters. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, you got people jumping on the basketball courts here higher than that. Wow. Then he, when he hits the golf ball, the golf ball goes 20 meters. Mm-hmm. Under one six gravity, that this... should be a drive about a mile and a half down the road. Hey, clear... so what hap- and what happens is very simple. Okay. Von Braun and NASA calculated that the equal distance points between the Earth and the Moon gravitational-wise was at 44,000 miles, not 23,000 miles. If you mm-hmm. use a one six Newtonian formula, it would be at 23,000 miles, but it's not. It's at 44. Mm-hmm. So when you do the math, the mathematical prob, uh, equation, which I have in the book as well, and I showed it step by step so everybody could follow it out themselves, it shows that there is 64% of gravity in the front side of the moon. Wow. And that is after the Earth pull has pulled it and elongated it. Mm-hmm. On the back side of the moon in the craters, it's even stronger. There's gravity, elongation there, huh? water, atmosphere, you keep adding the equations up, and you start to get a a situation that we have not educated the people about concerning the conditions on the moon. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a planetary uh, Viagra poll there. But let me ask you something. Um, I heard you say in a, a previous interview, and I saw a question pop up in our in our live chat. People watching the show are sending in questions right now, Glenn. So I'll, yeah. I'll disperse them in, sprinkle them in. But uh, you said that the uh, the Earth rang like a bell, and of course I've I've never heard that one, but I have heard that the Moon rang like a bell. Do both planetoids ring like a bell? Yes. And is that why are they hollow? No, has nothing to do with being hollow. Uh, we found out that with each at- atomic underground test, it set up a vibratory shock wave, which caused frequency that could be like a bell. I mean, I don't know if they, you know, there's so many different frequencies of bells depending on which bell and which country you're ringing, but it gives off a vibratory repercussion like a bell. Mm-hmm. And that is the frequencies of that energy rebounding through the tectonic plates and the terrestri- uh, subterrestrial geophysics and it, and it rings like a bell. And so our Earth does that and so does the moon. The downside to this is that the Japanese laboratories have measured that with every atomic test, not only does the Earth ring like a bell, 
but it also slightly slows down its orbit. Mm. And the dangerous part of this is, is that we are like idiots sitting in a life raft with a penknife sticking holes in it to see which one of us uh, sink it first. When we slow down the balance between centrifugal and centrifugal force with the Earth spinning, we can get to the point where the planet comes apart because it no longer maintains that balance between spinning and oscillation and rotation. And so it is incredibly foolish mm, okay. what, we, what we do. All right, let's get to a couple questions coming in for you. From Billy Strasser out of our live chat. This is Glenn. Why are all moon craters circular? Why don't any of or many have it like a ditch or a canyon from angled hits? They all seem to be direct hits, which is unlikely. Well, first of all, uh, when you take a really close look at the moon, you'll see that a lot of the craters are, are jagged. You have double-lipped craters. Uh, you have an assort, a wide assortment. So they're not mm -hmm. all uh, a perfect in circumference and in shape. Some of those things you do have that come in an angle, and you do see a skipping process because the, the uh, accelerated factor between the approaching meteor or meteorite versus the motion of the moon uh, sets it up so they can't avoid it. So, so, you so you're, get, say, you're so, saying there are indirect hits. That's that, correct. There's that would leave a, like if a you path. Look at, if you look at close enough at the pictures, uh, we have uh, uh, catalogs of 15 by 17 uh, Hasselbald, which is a very high quality uh, camera and film that Apollo used. And I have them in the vault in which you mm -hmm. see close-ups of the moon and you can study that. And then on some of the studies, you see there are symbols like an S carved in the bottom of the craters. There are uh, what looks like uh, conic or cone-shaped structures. And, um, and of course, there's the one sighting that was from several years ago that looks like a giant Van de Graaff generator which is a large ball suspended on a on a tube with two uh, appendages hanging down, and um, what's uh, that? Wait, 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 what, what's hanging down? A couple of appendages, uh, um, uh, flanges. So in other words, when you look at an uh, electrical device, an electrical device has pieces to it where the electricity jumps from side to side, very much when you look at at a um, plasma coil. Mm -hmm. And you look inside there and you see the electricity jumping in an uneven, unorthodox way for, uh, around from one place to the next. Van de Graaff generator works very much the same, mm -hmm. a Tesla principle. Mm, okay. All right, let's get this question. ICXC asks, uh, Glenn, is the recent hype about Mars happening because they're, that's where the elites are, are hoping to escape after they destroy the Earth's atmosphere? Well... First of all, anybody who wants to go to Mars because they think it's a nicer place than Earth should have their head examined because Mars has only underground water. Mm -hmm. It is a very arid environment. I mean, if you compare the two planets simply by photograph, which one would you pick? I'd pick this one. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is that there is a giant psychological push for, let's say other reasons to push us mentality-wise to go to Mars. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think, in my own personal opinion, they, uh, we, are, we are consumed with overpopulation. That is our most dangerous situation, overpopulation mm -hmm. on this planet. It fuels more consumption. Mm -hmm. It fuels more destruction of habitat. It creates more waste. And it, and it continues to accelerate to a tune of 83 million people more born every year than pass away. Mm -hmm. So you go on about 12, 13 years, you got another trillion people. Mm. Would you, uh, would you uh, volunteer to start the depopulation process? I think that the depopulation process doesn't have to be uh, as severe as that connotation is. Depopulation process is simply a matter of slowing down irresponsible uh, um, population. In other words, we, we continue to populate at certain speeds and locations due to religion. Because the religion is teaching us that we must go out and be fruitful and we must go out and do this and so consequently uh, in order to have God's and the religious grace you must go out and populate more people but we're not living at a time where there's only a billion people on the planet mm -hmm. anymore mm -hmm. we're looking at billions of people on the planet mm -hmm. so we need to be responsible with, mm -hmm. with our population. Uh, uh, why, is, why is it that we need to have six and eight children? Because mm -hmm. traditionally we once did that so they could work on the farm and help our parents in mm -hmm. order to stay same themselves. We don't live in those times anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, Billy, come back with another question. Where are the telescopic pictures? Do you have telescopic? I don't, I don't know. Do you have additional pictures that are out there? Or? Yeah, some of them are in the bank that I sent you, some telescopic okay. pictures All of right. the moon. Okay, we'll get to those. Uh, here's a question from uh, Uezo Foster. It says, Glenn, how did the astronauts avoid the effects of the Van Allen radiation belt? Well, first of all, this misnomer came out about, let's see, in 2014. Somebody decides in, the, in this whole UFO setup that they need to have another controversy to stir the pot. To keep people interested, to keep paying $400 to go to these conferences, and so on and so forth. The Van Allen radiation belt is nothing more. Uh oh. Can you hear me now? Glenn, we got some sort of lock up here. Hang on. Can you hear me now? Hello, Glenn. May have to call you back here. Looks like the picture's froze. That'd be a, a, a Skype issue here. Let me call you back. All right, let's get let's give Glenn a call back here. As when you deal with Skype, you do deal with these types of issues. So we'll give him a call right back here. Yeah, Glenn, can you see me now? Yeah, I dropped off. Yeah. Or or we go through the Van Allen radiation belt and travel past it. Anybody who tells you that you are sequestered or you are prevented from leaving the Earth's influence by the Van Allen radiation mm -hmm. belt doesn't know what they're talking about. They have mm -hmm. no clue. 
-hmm. And we all know that we have set out our probes into space, Voyager and so Mariner and so many others. Obviously, they've gone past the radiation belt as well. Mm -hmm. So this this is another this is another um, uh, issue to cause debate and confusion within the UFO field. Mm -hmm. It has absolutely, if you look at it from the planetary standpoint, from the charged particles, right now sitting in your studio and me sitting here, we're surrounded by charged particles right now. Mm. And it's not help, it's not preventing me from going anywhere. No, I'm, I'm charged up. So, so you mentioned uh, uh, overpopulation of the planet and the direction it's heading, but the, the data shows, Glenn, that the United States has had the lowest birth rate since the 1930s going on and then there's some western european countries that are not replacing their population they are decreasing as well middle income middle class societies and countries have limited their population growth to about two children per couple is that this, okay is how with you? They, this is how they maintain a standard of living that's uh, that's the middle class you got 1.3 billion people in China, mm -hmm. 1.2 billion in India, 1.3 billion in Indonesia, mm -hmm. okay. and it goes on and on. All right. When you when you look at the ratio of the United States to the rest of the world, it's very little in comparison. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even even China predicts by 2027 a, a 0.3 population decrease. So I'm just saying, naturally. Uh, now, now, of course, the U.S. population, if you're going to, if we look at the United States, we've got the whole southern hemisphere, the whole southern continent that doesn't do anything but produce kids. And those kids are coming up across the border. So our population, and I suppose when they get here, they ain't going to have nothing to do. So they're going to produce kids. I'm going to say, shoot, we get that message out to them that we don't want to take every child that you spawn because that's your activity. It's all you can do. Uh and then send them up here? I mean, shouldn't that be a good place to start for to stop that population boom? Politically, we have assured these people that if they come here, they will get everything they need for free. And they do, pretty much. The cost of birthing a child is about $20,000. They don't have to pay. The cost to educate the child over 20 years or 18 years costs, what, a hundred and some thousand dollars of the taxpayer money? It's not an issue of being non-compassionate. It's the issue of being responsible. Mm -hmm. And somebody has to pay for it. And I cannot ask somebody else to pay my bills any more than I can tell the people mm -hmm. who want uh, student loan relief that they can go into the finest restaurant and eat the finest steak and then decide let somebody else pay the bill. I don't know. That's not how that works. Well, I'd like to go down south and then, then sneak across the border. Then I get some first-class free airfare, and I won't even have to take a COVID test. All right, let's get to another question here. It says, uh, wasn't there an incident that the astronauts saw an alien spaceship? Now, I think since several... Astronauts, didn't they say they saw, they, they, they seen a UFO? Absolutely, yes. There's a book called Our Ancestors Came from Outer Space by a gentleman by the name of Maurice Chatelain. And he used to be the uh, patent holder for all the Apollo telecommunication system. He was the guy who invented it. And he lists chronologically every single space to flight since Mercury 
has been accompanied by UFOs, and the astronauts have seen them and filmed them. And many of the astronauts have come out. We know mm -hmm. Scott Carpenter uh, has talked about it, uh, Gordon um, Cooper, huge talk about it, mm -hmm. um, Edgar Mitchell, uh, even a little bit uh, some of the Apollo uh, 11 astronauts. Uh, so not all of them jump right up and say, hello, hello, hello. Mm -hmm. But I've got articles that go back to the 60s where the Gemini astronauts, who were the precursors to Apollo, described what they saw and photographed and how mm -hmm. NASA would, uh, would uh, sequester it and cover it up. Mm -hmm. And so I think to a great extent the... Um, the what's the word I'm looking for? The dissatisfaction that Armstrong, astronaut Armstrong, felt uh, after his uh, um, Apollo missions was due to the fact of what they had seen, and the fact that it w what's being hidden and will never be told. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as disclosure; mm -hmm. it does not exist. Yeah, we whatever had... they tell you is what they want you to buy off on. Mm -hmm. But they're not telling you the truth on disclosure. <laughs> well, I don't think they're telling the truth on anything, Glenn. Uh, we, we had uh, Edgar Mitchell on here before he died, and he said that they saw all kinds of stuff up there. And I said, I said, Edgar, I said, man, why didn't you say something back there? He said, because when you're in the program back then, they would wax you. And I, I said, I said, what well, you mean like Joe Biden's legs when he's at the pool or what kind of waxing are we talking about? And he, he said, that's an old term for, so, so he said, so we did, they didn't want to say anything then, but he, as you know, he came out later. All right. Rose says, uh, Glenn, I've seen aliens, but I never saw them come out of UFOs. Is it possible that the aliens are from another dimension or coming through a portal? No, there is no other dimension. You have the, you have the, the, what we call the third and the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is the dimension of thought, and the third dimension is what we live around us every day. There are not multiple dimensions. This is science fiction. Mm -hmm. So much of, of the UFO and the space uh, perception has been uh, polluted by science fiction. The moment something comes out in science fiction, Right away, somebody starts running around claiming, oh, well, I got beamed up to that, Scotty, and, and I came through this portal, and, and uh, let's see what else. Then there was Stargate, and every time a new science fiction concept comes up, we have the copycatters, and they say, oh, well, you know, this is, this is what I experienced because it's in their mind. They see it on television and ben embeds themselves mm -hmm. in their minds and constantly comes part of their imaginary reality mm -hmm. space people are physical beings just like you and I the only difference is is their technology is about 4,000 years difference than ours mm. that's why they don't need any reason to come down and to steal your chickens and chop up your cows <laughs> and all this other well, nonsense somebody's, somebody's doing something with the cow gonads but it kind of reminds me uh, you, you mentioned the, the dimensions uh, remember uh, Rod Serling when he intro the Twilight Zone he goes he goes there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man a dimension as vast as space and timeless as infinity it is a middle ground between light and shadow between science and superstition it's a dimension of your imagination. We call this area the edge broadcast. And so I really appreciate him saying that. So, we, yeah, we could have, uh, 
other dimensions coming through. I mean, whether or not uh, people agree with that or not, it sure does answer a lot of questions as far as uh, dimensionality. Uh, Azur says, Glenn, was the landing shot in a film studio? If so, who directed it? And I think that's ref- maybe the, the moon landing, but you, you're you a moon first, landing first believer. Of all, yeah, they, it all comes from the assumption that Stanley Kubrick was asked a question. Well, do you think we could have faked that? And he said, yeah, probably. And, and that's because he had worked with the movie 2001 and other, uh, other science fiction projects, which, which have, uh, our, we were growing in our technology film-wise during the late 60s and accelerating through the 70s mm-hmm. until we got to the 80s where the science fiction bakery is so good you can't tell it from the real thing. Mm-hmm. So no, they were not filmed in the studio. In fact, during the time of Apollo, not only were there several hundred professional telescopes, but also a cadre of, of art, uh, amateur astronomers all around the world mm-hmm. that followed Apollo from the Earth to the moon and back again. Um, if uh, if Armstrong, Armstrong was the first person to walk on the moon, right? Yes. Well, he was the first person. <laughs> uh, he was the first person from the public side of it to walk on the moon. Okay. Yes. Okay. Who filmed him? Who filmed him coming down the limb? There were several things. Uh, there was uh, Aldridge, which was um, was was inside with his camera. Now the these were outside camera. shots, right? But the outside shots was was uh, uh, situated cameras on on poles right who, so who put the poles came out there down the ladder that wasn't the first time they came down the ladder they had set up equipment around the hmm. lunar lander in order for cameras and for other equipment around the uh, hmm. around the so he may track. not have been the first person to walk on the moon whoever whoever put those cameras out there well was... it could very well have been <clears> him <throat> and then it was the first person Wow. You know, he may have went down, gone down earlier and put down that equipment so that uh, that you can see that. Yeah, when he went when he went golfing, he was setting up cameras. Well, then when the limb took off to hit the mothership, who was filming that? They leave somebody behind? No, because the same equipment with the cameras that filmed the activity around the limb was the same equipment that filmed them as they came off the pedestal and went back up and went to the lunar module. Okay, so did so, so did that camera beam those images direct back to Earth right then, or did yeah. they come back and get the camera later? No, no, you have to think. Remember that all of this was broadcast for the first time semi-live. These weren't just cameras you loaded up with film and had to go back and pick it up and drop it at your Kodak dealer. This okay. was, these were broadcasts. Okay, so there was okay there was a broadcast camera s- still left on the moon. Yeah. The limb took uh, off. So was that camera being beaming live pictures to Earth until the batteries went dead, or did they come back and get it? No, no, they didn't. So that camera was that camera was sending live pictures, and they left it on the moon until I guess it kept running until it it, it died, or how's that work? Right like all the other equipment that was left on the moon. It kept running. Look at all the equipment that we have on Mars. It runs until it runs out of so, a so it tilted its, battery it, power. It, it had a tilt mechanism to, to, to go up with sure. the... A motion. Wow. It had a motion sensor. So wow. it's aimed at the craft, 
and as it starts to move, move the camera pans up with it but sure. it can only pan so high because there's oh. a limit to the to the yeah. uh, to the Ooh. pedestal man that is some <laughs> awesome camera and i just thought they just had transistors and stuff back here these guys had high tech man probably coming from the aliens all right let's get to, let's get another question for you glenn uh do you know a scientist named yarborough my buddy's dad worked with Werner von braun um uh, the name sounds vaguely familiar. I, of course, have heard of von, uh, Werner von Braun. Yeah. Okay. And right. uh, and many of his uh, compatriots in Huntsville, Alabama, at that time. Mm. Okay. Let's get to this question here. It's a nice one. Uh, Raul says, uh, Glenn, are towers and military bases on the moon right now? That is the rumor. The rumor is that that we have gone a continued a space program beyond the public one that was set, uh, shut down by Nixon and um, because we had uh, missions planned all the way to Apollo 20 mm -hmm. and we had earlier things as well mm -hmm. but the idea was that um, that we had continued a space program within the realm of uh, uh, military jurisdiction that launched from an equatorial uh, position uh, that's out in the um, in the Indian Ocean Mm. And okay. so, consequently, um, there are talks about um, uh, constructions on the moon. Uh, there are talks about explosions. There are talks about uh, laser lights. Mm -hmm. um, there are, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the additional pieces of information was uh, called Alternative Three, where we used forced labor in order to construct these bases. So that may be where some of the abduction uh, stories have come from, the fact that we used our own forced labor. And once we took them there to, to build the facilities, obviously they weren't bringing them back. Wow. Um, uh, Waldo says, Glenn, are astronauts mainly 33-degree Mason? No, Masons have nothing to do with the astronaut corps. They're mainly military officers and, um, and um, are subjected to the rules, regulations, and restrictions that those military officers have. Uh, in the recent times, when we have got finally to the space shuttle program, then we had teachers and engineers and other people who graduated into that uh, astronaut corps. But as far as any... Uh, secret societies and things like that. Mm -hmm. That uh, that has nothing to do with that. These all these things are nothing more than distractions. Mm -hmm. Hope people hoping to find some kind of uh, uh, clandestine. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Glenn, chew uh, on. Okay, yeah. uh, Glenn. I know you got pictures from NASA. Have you ever worked for NASA? No. Mm -mm. Are you are you a big NASA supporter? Well, let's put it this way. I believe exactly as my father. NASA cooperated with him when he asked for exposure to the catalogs and microfish. In 1967, my father and my mother were invited to NASA Goddard Space Flight Center to show the UFO films that we have unarchived. Mm -hmm. Films that were considered the best in civilian hands. Three months later, they were also then invited by Colonel Freeman in the Pentagon, and then many years later after we did the moon research, by Lord Clancarte and the British uh, House of Lords. Mm -hmm. And so 
I understand, one, that they don't get a lot of love from the public. Because the public doesn't understand that for every dollar we spend in space, we get $4 in return. That's a hell of a lot of better value than <laughs> I get out of the stock market in the 401k that I got. Wow. Secondly, when you look at the amount of lives saved by the technology of the space program, it is incalculable. We can now measure and see typhoons and hurricanes and tornadoes and tracks. I mean, we have technology that has come from the space program and satellites that mm -hmm. have completely changed the nature of our existence. Mm. So I sympathize with them when they can't talk because some <laughs> of them can't talk. Some of them don't know. It's like the it's it's like the fallacy that every military officer that walks in and out of the Pentagon has access to all the secret files, which is nonsense too. So they don't know. And I think we have to cut them a little slack because boy, we certainly don't show them much love. <laughs> and then when they come out and talk, yeah. then we're the first one to tear them apart on top of it. Mm. So, so I understand their issues, their problems. And my father used to say, you catch more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Mm. Well, that's true, because uh, I raise bees, so I've tried it. Um, are there aliens that walk among us? Yes. And how can we tell who, who they are? <laughs> you can't. That's the great part about it. They're not any different than you and I. I don't sound great why? to me. My, why? Because <laughs> because if, if, I, if I know which one's alien, I'm going to say, what up, bro, space bro? Uh, give me some high tech or give me some uh, space gold or something. I'm going to cash in on that thing. Take them around, well, show them like the Barnum and Bailey Circus, you know, get some money. Yeah, that's why they're not doing it, because they're not here to be exploited. My father sat in front of one of the NASA scientists, and the scientists asked him, how many people, people, human beings that are from other worlds come amongst us? And my father wrote down a number, and he gave it to the scientist who also had written down a number and gave it back, and their numbers were about the same. Mm. The idea is they come to visit us, they come to help us when we want it, mm. and oftentimes we don't want any help because we think we know every damn thing better. Mm -hmm. we, we love to create theories and opinions about stuff we have no idea about. Right, right. And right. It's fun, so though. They, so yeah, well, yeah, but it doesn't do you any good, does it? I'd it rather know happy. something than guess to tell you the truth. Look, I've had some flat earthers on this program. They're they're pretty happy. So you know, inventing inventing stuff can really work for. It could actually be good therapy, Glenn. Well, if that's <clears> what they like, but I think reality is the, is the source of of advancement. Well, and why progress. would we want to cooperate with them anyway? They're they're trespassers on our planet. They they need to get an invite. Do and I don't. Wait, wait. How do you know you're not their trespassers on their planet? How do you know they weren't here a long time before you? Because we are humans and they's aliens, okay? So they from out they from out there. They well, from, that's a term. They're calling people who come from Mexico aliens too, and that does not mean it's true, does it? <laughs> well, they they are. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get. I mean, there's geographical ones and there's planetary trespassers. Okay. And and I think there. I. I mean, look at Star Trek. Okay. They had the 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 non-interference thing going on. Evidently, the aliens up there didn't get the message. They they did not get the memo. Oh well, they interfered twice. Otherwise, you'd have been dead with nuclear holocaust. So there's two times it sure as heck helped. And the next thing is that if it hadn't been for them, 
we wouldn't have had a space program and we wouldn't have the advancements that we have and for all the people who claim that they have a reversed engineered technology we wouldn't have had that either mm. so, wow. so where has where's has been the downside the uh, only downside that i can see is us not them or somebody who's been abducted and probed uh, well, there's I a downside think, right I there. Think there's a, there's a, I think there's a long way to go before that horse can be proved. There's a lot of accusations. Well, but there's no proof. I recently did in a chapter in my book, and I did this research myself. Mm -hmm. And they're they're showing that nearly 150 million people in this country alone suffer from some kind of mental disorder, some fantasy fixation sleep deprivation mm. and all these things when you add them together come up to the same conclusions and descriptions of what so-called alien abductors are experiencing. So, I wonder if that's the same poll I saw where it said liberals, 63% uh, of liberals have a, a, a some sort of mental problem. So I don't know if that's the same study or not. There it could you go. Be. Well, uh, <laughs> it might be the same study. Them. So, I mean, I agree with you on that. There are a lot of people got problems, but, uh, I don't know. All right, let's get to this question here. It says, um, do we have any idea what the Chinese are doing on the dark side of the moon? No. Because first of all, we can't see it. And secondly, uh, I doubt very seriously that we have hacked into the Chinese database. They're, if anything, they hacked into us, not the other way around. And, uh, and so I think there's a, there's a multitude of reasons to go to the back side of the moon. You're talking about uh, helium-3. You're talking about a whole deal of other minerals and, uh, and substances that can be ad advantageous to the uh, building of uh, spacecraft because mm -hmm. it's done in a, in a lesser gravitational field. Yeah. And it's also uh, materials that are available. And I think they're, they're in the learning phase just like we should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just speaking of learning, I seems like I remember somebody somebody asked AOC or, or AOC told somebody said, uh, you know, she has the great visions of doing stuff, and she, one thing she wanted to land, she wanted humans to land on the sun, and somebody said, well, it's gonna be pretty hot there, and she said, well, we just land at night, so I, I don't know if that I don't know if that'll work or not, but we got, I heard that I heard that joke as well, but remember. <laughs> The sun doesn't give off heat. The sun gives off radiation. There's a, big, there's a big difference. Yeah, gotcha. And who knows what's in those coronal ejections? That sounds kind of kinky. Uh, does the, does the, do you believe that the there is a secret Navy space program? There's a multi-services multi secret space program. Each one is doing their own thing. We, we had the same problem when this whole thing began when the CIA took over from the Air Force, uh, UFO reports, which by the time NICAP had concluded its investigation by 61, there were over 11,000 recorded sightings. Wow. And so the Navy, uh, the Air Force, the Army, they all have their division. Wow. Uh, some people say that they've been visited by the Nordics. We have a graphic up on the screen now. Is that true? No, because it's a false classification. Someone, also in this dubious field, decided <laughs> because they had some descriptions of some of these visitors of being fair-skinned fair, scare, uh, fair -skinned 
and uh, and fair uh, colored hair, mm -hmm. that they are now going to be, um, uh, what's the word, uh, debunked mm -hmm. by those who want people to believe that the space visitors came from Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. which is really about as far of a stretch of stupidity that you can come across. Yeah. And so consequently, they decided to... Uh, take that description and call them Nordics. Yeah. They tried this against George Adamski too until he said fools well, read my read my book in 1955 and we discover we uh, describe men and women of various color and skin texture and, and eye color. Well I think my background picture shows who they really are. The first picture I, I don't think that's who they are. I think this is more like who they are Glenn. Let's get to another question. Uh, Happy or Health Hippie says Glenn what's the true story about Roswell? Were there little gray aliens? Roswell actually did happen and of course, the the leakage that occurred by Ramey and the others um, uh, caused a great deal of, um, of frantic um, counter stories in order to cover their butts. Uh, what happened was, is the craft had what was called explosive decompression. It had a mechanical malfunction in which, going through a thunderstorm, uh, everyone was electrocuted, mm -hmm. and the portholes blew out like you would have in an airliner and you have explosive decompression where all the atmosphere gets sucked out and so that you know it causes buggering of the eyes and mm -hmm. bloating of the features and things mm -hmm. like that and so there so were exp explosive there were diarrhea does the same thing yeah there were a number of bodies recovered nobody was alive this another falsehood that they found one alive and he walked among the Native mm -hmm. American Indians like Jesus teaching is all a bunch or of a garbage. skinwalker. And um, and so consequently the body Hopefully Glenn will come back. We got we got the error here with the Skype again, lock up. That's a data issue, I think, but we don't, we'll have to... President Kennedy viewed. Okay. All righty. Can you hear me, Glenn? I hear you. Okay. It looks like uh, the feed there from Skype is, uh, is, is is lagging a bit. Hopefully, I won't have to call you back. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next question. Is it true that one of the Martian moons is artificial? That is what Russian scientists deduced already in 1959 that Phobos was artificial and that was uh, towed from the asteroid belt and hollowed out and uh, as used as a base for them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, there a, a, seems to be an uptick in UFO revelations in mainstream. I got a link on my iPad popped up, you know, they recommended news article come from CNBC. Uh, I think the last C is probably for crap, but uh, it was uh, about UFO disclosure of some sort that the military is getting ready maybe to reveal something. But they had very short videos, but they showed two videos, one of a UFO going right into the water without making a splash and another one going straight into the ground. And it kind of reminded me of uh, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise when the aliens came down, the, the lightning bolts went straight in. But... Have you heard about this technology that they're, they've seemed to have captured on video that it can go through various things without any effect of a surrounding material? 
The craft generates a what's called pro-gravity field. Nothing is anti. Anti-gravity and anti-this and anti-that is all a misnomer because nature produces more energy than you can possibly uh, produce to bring it to a zero point and then to bring it to a higher point above that. Nobody in their right mind is going to waste their time and technology trying to overpower the natural energy of nature itself. And they use this energy to travel on twice the speed of light, or 360,000 miles per second, which is the speed of magnetism. And so the energy field and some of these pictures that you see extend beyond the craft. Uh, they, these uh, look like water reservoir reflections on the lunar surface there on that photo. Okay. But the energy field extends beyond the craft, and the faster they go, the energy field gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So to give you an example, if it's going at half speed and the craft is 5,000 feet long, then the energy field extends for 10, 15 miles. And this is so that the faster that you go, it repels the space debris and micro uh, meteors and dust and all that other stuff that's in space. Because if you hit something at that speed, it just goes through it like butter. So the, the, the propulsion system works twofold, free energy and uh, unlimited, um, to most extent, uh, protection around the craft. So consequently, they can go straight into the water, and that's not an issue. In fact, they've done so many mm -hmm. times. My father's book, Why Are They Here?, has a chronology from the 18 and 1900s of the many of the ships around the world who have registered and recorded these crafts uh, uh, going underneath the, the water, underneath the vessel, into the sky, deep into the trenches and things like that. And so, so if you look at space, if you can travel through space, then consequently traveling through water is is not any more arduous of a task. It's mm -hmm. just as easy. Why, why don't, why, why don't uh, our, uh, our alien space brothers give us a cure for Cooties 19? Is everybody supposed to fix your problems for you? Well, you said that. I mean, we, do we, you uh, do you go to your neighbor and say, yeah. hey, you know, uh, I need my lawn mowed, and uh, maybe you can clean out my toilet for me, and uh, this and that? Well, you, well, it, you did say er, you did say earlier that without them, we wouldn't have all these advances. Seems like that's the advancement they don't want to give us. They've given us all these other advancements, like you said. Night, night vision and uh, microprocessor and various things, quantum computing. I mean, but they want to stop at uh, something that's helpful? Well, I would say the other stuff is helpful, and I would say that they're smart enough to have watched us for a long time and to see that we are so damn lazy, we don't fix our own problems, we shuffle off our responsibilities to whomever we can unload it to, and we don't learn a thing until we deal with our problems ourselves. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes and gives you everything, then you're not going to do anything to rectify the situation. You're just going to keep saying, give me, give me, give me, give me. Mm. I think we do enough of that already. Oh, wow. Man, sounds like, sounds like a little a little resentment there of some sort. I don't, I don't know, man. No, there's no resentment. I just think that we're not realistic. I mean, how what, what's realistic about asking somebody else to fix your problems for you and because you don't want to deal with them yourself. 
The people on this planet have created these problems, and we have created these problems through our own apathy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now you want somebody else to come and say, well, you well, know, I've been apathetic, well, but how about you take care of me anyway? Okay. And, so, I, and so, I say, take care of yourself. So, so, so they would say, hey, yeah, we got the cure, but you're also stupid, based on what you said. Uh, the, you're going to have to die. Large chunks of you are going to have to die off until you learn. I mean, what kind, what kind of space uh, buddy system is that? Well, here's the other question. Who developed these these problems, these plagues and vaccines? Who uh, developed them? China. Well, there you go. So how come we don't hold them accountable for that? Because they're, how because they bought half them? of America up. Half of America is is on the take from China. Well, but that's not their problem, is it? Well, seeing if people die. Well, that's like te- well, no, wait a minute. That's like that's like telling a fireman. Hey, the guy in the apartment there, he started the fire. That's his problem. Uh, that's kind of what you're saying. No, the firemen volunteered in order to do that job to address fire. Mm-hmm. He did not address and say, these people are these people and those people are those people, and they got this problem and they got this problem. The fireman is there for one sole purpose, is to take care of the fire. Mm-hmm. So that's that analogy doesn't doesn't. Bit. I think I think it does. If they if, if they have a cure, they wouldn't they would you if your child was was going to be hurt by something, you wouldn't say, well, you're going to have to be hurt so you would learn. You would stop them beforehand. And as you said earlier, they stopped us from nuking ourselves by flyovers over nuclear facilities, and they decided that they're going to interfere with our nukes. Uh, so there seems to me like they're picking and choosing about what they're doing and, and helping helping humankind. But that's also an easy escape route to say that's why we don't have the cure because we humans are this way and that way rather than saying the aliens aren't here to help at all which is you, not what you, you want don't to let your child hurt themselves in order to you, learn you would interfere when they get out and get the bicycle and they fall down and scrape their knee and instead you prevented it because you didn't want them to, to learn of course not you know that they have to learn somehow and the only way we do it is through a process of experience it's not true. I put training wheels on my kids' bikes. I didn't let them but, fall down. And then, so they never fall down. They've never had an accident. They've never hurt themselves. They've never scraped themselves. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is when I had in my power to prevent something, I did it. But you can't prevent everything. No, you can't prevent everything. I didn't say that. Mm-mm. But what you're saying, though, is, is, is a little is almost, it's kind of like an out. They're not giving us a secure because... We have to learn, so I, I don't know, but we, that's, we'll point a disagreement. We'll just move on. Um, question, is Planet X real? There are, there are three more planets in the solar system. The celestial solar systems comprise normally of 12 uh, celestial bodies and one sun for a figure of 13. And so there are what we call planets X, Y, and Z, that information was um, released in 1977, co- uh, coinciding not only with the Russians, but with our astronomers as well. And so there's another thing that's 40 years old, and we still haven't told the public uh, any truthful information about it. Why is it that we get information on a 40-year cycle that's regurgitated over and over again? And, 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 and nobody questions it and say, hey, wait a minute, you told us that 40 years ago. You expect us now to 
because they because they bring it about by generation, and that way they keep a generational gap of misinformation going, and so consequently, there not too many questions are asked, not mm -hmm. of any validity. Mm -hmm. um, Doreen eighty nine fifty one says, Glenn, will there be full disclosure in July? No. That's Will there ever you, be? Don't, you don't spend 70 years of creating misinformation, misdirection, and outright lies and fabrications, and then expect them to come clean on top of that. No, mm -hmm. they can't. Most of them wouldn't know to come clean about what. Because mm -hmm. first of all, they don't have access to the files. The President mm -hmm. of the United States does not have access to the file. Any presidential candidate will tell you that they'll give you the information is lying through their teeth because they don't have the clearance to access this information. Mm -hmm. So no, there won't be disclosure then. If they give you a little information, it's, it's what they want you to know. Mm -hmm. Look at this Navy thing, this Navy video. That was mm -hmm. taken in 2004. Forgive me, but that's 17 <laughs> years ago. Well, what you got that right. What the hell has happened in what, the meantime? What is up with that? That's what I'm thinking. Where where was this video when they got it? They just they just holding stuff back. They're always holding stuff back. It's kind of like uh, revealing that they had Hunter Hunter Biden's laptop for two years. Where the hell was that, man? I mean, they're always doing stuff like this, Glenn. Well, that's true, and 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 that's because they've learned that they can get away with it. That nobody is calling him on the carpet. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody, especially in this UFO community, I mean, the the, the information that these people uh, spread around, it 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 they should be ashamed of themselves. Mm. Wow. Um, Australian Ben says uh, this question here, uh, Glenn. Uh, during the recent supermoon, I used my telescope to zoom in, and I could undoubtedly see small flashing lights emitting from the moon's surface. Are these reflections off the glass towers on the moon? No. What you're seeing is is the, um, there are areas of the moon which are uh, highly active. Uh, I used to have an 18-and-a-half-inch telescope. I've downsized it to a better quality optics. But... You, if you look at the reports that are coming through uh, NASA's uh, own observatories too, and also the Vatican's for that matter, the areas like the Straith Wall, the Alpine Valley, the Crater Aristocris, uh, Archimedes, there are certain what you would call more activity hotspots. We observed three craft in the bottom of Aristocris and they stretched nearly from crater rim to crater rim, and that thing is 30 miles in diameter. Wow, that's a pretty large craft. Um, Raul says, Glenn, is NASA the only space agency in the U.S.? The only public one. You, mm -hmm. have, you have Space Command, which was basically named something else before that. Uh, you had uh, Strategic Air Command, you had SAC, uh, you had now Space Command, and each one of the uh, armed forces has, as I mentioned before, have their little fiefdom, their little kingdom, mm -hmm. upon which they collect information and what they share and don't share. The FBI does the same thing. Mm -hmm. Why do you think uh, Donald Trump created the Space Force? 
Well, that'd be a good question to ask him. I think that his concerns were that uh, with more nations. Well, we tried to get him on. He was busy. Yeah, uh, I hate when that happens. But uh, there are many nations that are, are having space capabilities now, just like there are many nations that are, have nuclear capabilities. And I think in his case, he's concerned that uh, that no aggressive nation gets the upper hand when it comes to uh, space. Mm -hmm. Because literally, uh, if you can dominate space, you can dominate the surface of the planet. Yeah. Um, well, so far, uh, Biden has been trying to get rid of everything that Trump did in it ever, uh, good or bad. He don't. He doesn't care. It's just taking a big hatchet to everything, just because it had Trump's name on it. But so far, he hasn't hatched, hacked up the space force. Do you think he will? Or are going to leave it there and maybe make it into a equity outreach system in space? Uh, I think that his problems are, are so numerous as it is. I think he'll leave Space Command alone for several reasons, and one of them is that uh, a military um, operation, a military uh, configuration is not one that they like to dismantle, mm -hmm. and, it, and, and not publicly at least. Uh, even if they told you tomorrow that they're going to take it apart, they're still going to operate just as they did before. The only difference is you don't know it. Mm -hmm. But I think that... Um, that their concerns with space is um, is a legitimate one in some regards, but we have to be careful that we don't um, we don't militarize space with the arrogance that we're always the good guys and everybody's the bad guys and we don't do nasty things because our history is littered with very very uh, nasty things that we have done as well. Mm -hmm. People who we have assassinated, countries we have overthrown. So boy, we have, we have no. Um, certainly, uh, certainly we certainly we don't have clean hands on, on a lot of those fronts. But on the other hand, uh, the United States is the most generous country that ever existed in the planet's history, and has done more good for more people everywhere. So it's a, it's sort of a, I don't know, maybe yin and yang, or sort of a balance. But let's not forget about the good parts. No, absolutely not. And they and uh, and we have done. Uh, the American people have been most generous. But, of course, our politics are most generous with our money. I always like <laughs> to hear them to say, well, the government is spending. The government doesn't is spending stuff that isn't theirs to spend. The government mm -hmm. doesn't produce an ounce of revenue. Mm -hmm. We're the ones who produce it, and we're the ones who produce the wealth. So when they're being, shall we say, free with money, it's not their money. It's mm -hmm. our money. Yeah, kind of, kind of reminds me. There's, there, uh, I'm going to tie two things together. It's a, a movie. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's High Plains Drifter or something that uh, Clint Eastwood. He's sitting on the porch of a hotel, and he tells the hotel owner that everybody's got to get out. And then this minister comes running over and says, "Brother, you can't throw these people out in the night." And uh, Clint Eastwood says. Uh, these people, uh, your brothers and sisters? And the guy says, praise God, brother. Praise God, these are my brothers and sisters. And then he says, well, then you won't mind if they come and stay at your house. That's kind of like the Democrats when they're inviting all of South America up. They're really inviting them into our house, but they won't take them. 
because if they did, they'd be filled up in Pelosi's mansion, and that ain't happening. I don't think it, I don't think AOC's got a few of them living in her house either. Uh, Health Hippie says, Glenn, how many alien races are out in space? Four. Name them. They're races, not species. Ooh. And that's where the confusion comes. There is this huge accusation about species. I sat down with a, a, a nuclear scientist in the Southwest. We had a symposium a few years back, several of us, and we talked about this situation, and he was quite clear. He says, crayfish, reptiles, sasquatches, they got nothing to do with UFOs and UFO visitations. They do not have the intelligence nor the biological construct to build spacecrafts that are thousands of years ahead of us. We have humans, we have humanoid, we have robotics, and we have android. And so mm. when you hear all these other creature feature stories from good, good old Steven Spielberg Star Wars, you're, you're being led down the, the primrose path. Wow. So, well... I just don't want to see a Death Star come floating into into our in our planetary realm here, uh, Glenn. So, but uh, why would there be bases on the moon? Is it a staging well, point for the rest of them? It's a perfect location, and Carl Sagan said this already decades before he passed away. He said the moon is the perfect observation point for two things, and and we have recently talked about that ourselves. One, it's a very near yet semi-protected observation platform of what's going on on this planet. Secondly, the backside of the moon provides a uninhibited uh, telescopic viewing platform to look deeper into the cosmos. And if you look at recent news, they are talking that uh, they want to put something similar to Hubble on the backside of the moon in order to increase our awareness of the universe. Mm -hmm. And so I think it, it makes perfect sense, uh, and um, so far, it's worked for us, and I think it's worked for them, and um, this the whole sad thing about this is the agenda to keep it from people, or the public, or the citizens of this planet, so they can benefit for it too. Because trust me, if something catastrophic would happen on this world, it would be all the rich, greedy, corrupt, lion cop politicians on their first way out the door to leave the rest of us behind. And I've always wondered about that. When you look at the, all the bunkers that are built outside of Washington and for all the political leaders to have uh, safety during a nuclear holocaust, we're, we're saving the very people who caused it to begin with. <laughs> I don't want to save them. It goes back to what you said earlier. They kind of get. They should. They should get what they deserve. Yeah. Well, I think nature takes care of that, or God, at one point or another. But sometimes, uh, between you and me, it doesn't happen fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there we go. Now we're getting down to the core of it, Glenn. Well, tell us what you really think. Um. So. With the aliens out there, I know. Mean, let's just—I'm I'm assuming they're the ones building the bases. Have you? Have we been to the moon? Do I mean? Do we have moon bases? Yes, we have moon bases. Okay. Do they, our, our space buddies, do they have bases in the same area, or is it kind of divided up? 
Well, the moon's not that big in comparison to the Earth, about one-fourth the size. So, you know, that I think to some degree um, there is there is cooperation on a need-to basis, but it depends on what we're doing, too. If we're, if we're building a, a, a military base in which we mount uh, uh, lasers and nuclear weapons and things like that, they're not going to assist us with that. Oh, they're not, they're not going to like that? Well, uh, it's contrary to what they believe and what they practice. Mm -hmm. And unlike people on this planet, they practice what they believe and they mm -hmm. just don't cause lip service. Uh, well, I know that we fired on these bastards before. The United States military has fired on them. Um, sure. And then I think uh, back in, what, 42 or something, L.A. had a big firefight with with these, with these alien bastards flying around through our airspace. Uh, there's no way we're going to hit them, right, Glenn? No, we're just and they in the weren't air. firing at them for that reason. The, uh, the, the, the escapade in Los Angeles in 42 was partly confusion by the military because they were worried about an invasion by Japanese forces after uh, Pearl Harbor. And so when these crafts flew in formation, our military facilities crapped in their pants and started shooting at everything in sight. And... Um, and then as the years progressed a little bit and more information became available to them, then uh, we, we ceased doing this. But the one incident I remember is one of our destroyers fired into the bottom of the craft. Mm -hmm. And uh, to give you an example, this is a small model here that I have available. Mm. And in the bottom of it, in the middle part is an ocular lens, very much like in a camera an old uh, Akfa camera, and it opens up and allows them to sit inside and look through that magnifying lens at the ground and observe. And uh, the, when the lens is closed and the propulsion field is totally working, the entire craft is surrounded and glowing. But when they nullify that field, they become vulnerable. And one of our destroyers fired a shot into the bottom of the craft and it exploded and killed everybody and the craft fell into the ocean and shortly thereafter another one came along goes down in the water and using a magnetic elevator picks it up and flies back off to space if that would have been us we'd have blown up and killed everybody in sight wow now well, and the, and that's not their mentality so we have uh, I'll take their friendship and their gratitude and their assistance any day of the week. Wow. Uh, that that ship there, I believe I saw a diagram out on the internet on that. Uh, is that uh, something that uh, George Adamski photographed? He photographed. This one has some uh, slight alterations to it so that somebody can't use it and uh, and as a model and try to fabricate pictures. And the, the quick litmus test is that the portholes are not in groups of three, they're in groups of four. And that's the easiest way right off the bat to tell whether somebody's using a model or not. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look in this particular picture, at the very beginning here on the uh, right-hand side, one, two, three, and the lip of a fourth, and uh, it's the angle that this telescopic picture was taken at. This was taken with a six-inch telescope, uh, and this is a series of pictures because as you know, in the old days, when you took photographs, especially uh, glass plate photographs, 
you would mm-hmm. take new, you would pan you would take numerous photographs of the same object because mm-hmm. you had no idea what the f-stop was and how how well the mm-hmm. picture would come out i have pictures of this same thing in which half the craft is in the frame or it's tilted in a slightly higher angle mm-hmm. so this is only one and uh, george he took the best pictures he thought he had in order to publish to give people an idea mm-hmm. of uh, of what was out there. Well, here, yeah. here's here's another picture of it. it. It appears to have a ring on the top of it, like somebody could hold it in the air with a fishing wire. No, why, why would it have that, a ring on top so it could be transported? No, it's not, that's not a ring. What it's the it? reflection of the sun. That's a solid globe in which the sun is reflecting off of. Mm. and giving you the idea that that's a ring, but that's no ring. Mm. Now, you you do have to address the question where people say that uh, they've identified that as an operating lamp with uh, GE light bulbs in it. Uh, Would you like to debunk those people? Absolutely. These uh, these photographs have been analyzed with every decade's uh, uh, best technology. So in the beginning, when these pictures were taken, they were analyzed by biometric, uh, radiology, mm-hmm. and it shows that the craft gives off a a, uh, a slight heat radioactive signature. Mm-hmm. Then they were used orthographic projections, which co- coincide the, um, the dimensions and the height and the width of the craft of about 33 feet. Mm. Then you have Co Eastman Codex analysis, in which it shows the same scout maneuvering about 90 feet mm-hmm. from the from the well, uh, lens and yeah. take, withdrawing one of the three ball condensers up and down. Well, um, anybody, yeah. anybody who tells you that this is a Coleman Lanner or a chicken brooder <clears throat> uh-huh. hasn't. They have the slightest. They have not mm. the slightest idea what they're talking mm. about. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say chicken brooder. Yeah, well, that's that's the other one of those. Okay, one well, called a water cooler, a chicken brooder, a, a, a lander, and a light. Yeah, Yet operating table light. It, it, okay, but let, let me let me say so. I don't can, I don't. Can you see my telestrator here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this hole right here seems like you can look right through it, like it's an air vent hole for hot lights. I don't see how you can look through there. There's no slots. I, I see. I see. I see a hole on the other side. Of it. I can see right through there. Are you talking about this reflection here? I'm talking about this this number three hole here. I can see right yeah. through it. You can see the hole on the other side. Is that for air vents for the aliens don't suffocate? Or I'm trying to figure out what's going on. No. What's happening <clears throat> is is the craft is the craft is slightly translucent. So what has happened is is a configuration of gold and diamonds and titanium and all this material is put together and, and they're fused atomically. They're, it's not uh, it's not heated and riveted like we do because mm. when you heat heat metal it weakens the atomic structure and mm-hmm. the and the fatigue factor. They simply merge the molecules together. All these crafts are slightly translucent. Mm-hmm. And so you can see through parts of them, depending upon the angle and the and the variant amount of um, uh, what you call uh, energy that it is producing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so when when you're looking at this, then it's just really people just making stuff up because they don't like the idea that somebody took a picture of a of a uh, UFO. Sure. And these these aren't light bulbs. What kind of tech is that? 
first of all, it's not light at all. It's a different metal altogether. Okay. And so those, as you look, as you look at it, you can see the direction that the sun comes in order to illuminate it. And since the craft is slightly tilted, it mm -hmm. is also then reflecting the light at an angle like oh. so. Okay. Right. And sure. so. And then, and then the other part of that was is, is a, a completely third type of metal to be uh, set as well. Mm -hmm. And so you have multi stages. The craft is 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 put together uh, like a Swiss watch. Mm -hmm. The uh, upper part of this fits into a flange that fits into another. The military, when they recovered one of these intact in in Alamosa. Uh, said that they were able to take it apart in a three-stage process where it lifts one piece out of mm -hmm. the other like a Chinese okay. doll. Okay, and then let me just uh, just do a, a, a final point on this and we'll move on. Got to get, get near the end of the broadcast here. Let me see if I can bring this up here. Um, this right here appears to be stamped old-fashioned metal. It's not straight. You can see ridges in it. It looks like an old-fashioned kind of an artwork that you used to see on, on uh, lamps and different things like that. You can see it's not straight. Could they not make a straight line with the welds or whatever? Well, first of all, you're taking, you're, you're taking a telescopic shot. So you're not getting, you know... But it looks eight, like that's where it's welded. It's, it's like pixels. a decorative weld right there. I'm and, just saying. And secondly, that whole area is a ring. It is a rotating ring along the top of the craft. If you go back to the last photo, there's four rings. There are three rings underneath here. There's one outside this white ridge. There's one inside this white ridge. And like a gyro, they spin in opposite directions. And if you know your gyroscopic science a little bit, if you, could, if you spin a gyro faster, you can see the rings here and part of that and the magnets. If you spin a gyro faster than the Earth rotates, it flies off into space. It helps. It helps nullify the gravitational mm -hmm. field. Well, these and seem. So you have so on the very top of that same area that you circled, you have this one as well, and that is also a ring, and that's rotating ring here, and and three rotating rings underneath it. Mm -hmm. Now, now, uh, Glenn, how do we know what's inside this? Because we've, uh, people have gone on board. George went on board. George took Eisenhower on board. George took Kennedy on board. George said every time he went into space, he says there was another passenger or two recognizable uh, figures in our uh, in our government, mm -hmm. and uh, they were on board as well. And uh, and uh, the FBI uh, Hoover uh, wanted to go after George because he thought that all this this uh, human wellness of being sounded too much like communism to him. So George said, fine, subpoena me, and I'll give you the dates and locations of every single person that were on these crafts along with me, and the FBI dropped the case. They did, didn't want to. Did, uh, so did we have communications with these aliens? Well, it's, they, you're not picking up the phone and give them a jingle, but yeah, we have contact. Mm -hmm. What what do we what would we would we be discussing with them? Why do we need to talk to them? Oh, I could only think of about a couple million things. 
Well, we can't so, ask them. We can't ask them for cures for cancer because we're not getting that. But why, so why else would we well, talk to them? Well, how do you know they have the cure? So first of all, there's a lot of assumption going on. Secondly, well, they, and I they're would not say that, that smart. What you're saying? No, what I'm saying is. So I, I was giving them credit for being smart, but they, you're saying they're just, maybe they ain't. Well, I mean, if you're an insecto, I, I can't tell you everything that they do every day, mm -hmm. year in year out, what they have and don't have. Uh, I don't think there's anybody can truthfully tell you that. There's a lot of people who tell you a bunch of hokum that they mm -hmm. make up, but it isn't based in reality. And so I would think that that you learn about free energy propulsion. Gee, how would that benefit us? It would change the entire structure of our economony but, and our but, planet. But they won't and give it, us that. They won't it, give us that either. What, what do they? Oh got? yeah. Oh, they've given us that. We yeah. don't want to use it because oh, okay. we don't want to stay, change the status quo on this planet. It's mm. not their decision. Mm. It's our decision who has prevented mm. that from happening. Has any alien species ever claimed? that they are what what 75% of the planet uh, call uh, God? No. Okay. Is there a God, Glenn Steckling? Yes, sir. There sure as heck is. How can you look into the cosmos or look out in your window to your backyard and not, uh, not, not conceive the supreme intelligence that grows your tree? You don't know how that grows. Who grows your crops? How... how <laughs> I mean, how everything functions on the ocean, how the atmosphere functions, how you go into space and look at the Milky Way and say trillions and trillions of planets and stars. If you can't find a God in that, boy, mm -hmm. then... Um, or, or that the moon, the moon is perfectly positioned to control our tides and our weather. I mean, it's just... And it protects us. It's like, it's like a goalie protect, taking all the hits from these rogue asteroids and comets and meteorites taking it's taking a beating for us glenn and i don't well, think it's by accident not only, not only that i mean you have to understand natural forces the moon when it was captured was captured when it got to the point where the gravitational forces were equal enough to hold it in a position which was the perfect position an absolute perfect position well <laughs> and it yeah, happens to have you, a perfect uh, lunar eclipse. It uh, actually is perfect. So there's a lot of perfect things about why the moon is where it is and how it got here and what it does. It just seems like human life may not exist even if there wasn't a moon up there. Look how many moons there are in Saturn and Jupiter. Too many to count. They ought to appreciate it with all them moons. Now, I imagine you got toxic tides going back and forth. You'd be each moon pulling different things. I mean, it's a nightmare up there, Glenn. Why would it be toxic and why would it be a nightmare? Well, because uh, they said it's like acid rain. They said those clouds are acid. They said the clouds are acid, so that could be toxic. I don't know. If that's true, if the clouds are acid, how do you land a probe with a parachute? What kind of parachute pra uh, uh, fabric do you use when it's supposed to be 800 degrees and 400 mile an hour winds? Tell me what kind of material that, that you're using. Now, are we talking about Mars or uh, Jupiter? If we're talking about Venus. Okay. But it, it's, it's still the same still applies. The, the, the simple matter is we don't know diddly squat 
about these planets and what's going on there. Mm -hmm. We have a whole bunch of theories and opinions, but we don't know anything of what truly is going on in there. Mm. Well, that's true. We have so much to learn, Glenn, and I'm, I'm glad for your uh, dedication to your research and, and your knowledge and the books you've written. And of course, we have a link to your website. Final question came in uh, from Billy Strasser. says, uh, uh, Glenn, do you believe in an afterlife? It's sort of off, uh, it's off subject, but yes, absolutely. I believe that uh, the concept of reincarnation was taught by all the wise sages in the past, not just Buddha, but Jesus as well. And in fact, uh, one of the theological studies that I have here on my shelf is a book titled Why Jesus Taught Reincarnation and Not Resurrection. Resurrection is a... A, con a construct of the church. It had nothing to do with what the man taught. And so, absolutely, you have, you have uh, afterlife. Uh, there's no way that you could possibly learn all that you need to learn. All that God makes available for your advancement it could not be done in a single lifetime. Mm. Have, you, have you ever sought Jesus' help on your studies and your knowledge? I... I think personally that 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 the concept of that individual is with everybody everywhere. So I don't need to um, to seek it out. It is is it is there. So if you believe in reincarnation, Glenn, what would you like to come back? Are you, do you feel like you're in your first life or your second? You got a hundred more to go. You can come back as a frog. I mean, what? Well, first of all, you can't come back as an animal. Oh, okay. The the, the frequency. A, the human frequency is unique. It's like a, your thumbprint. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, let's make the math easy and say the human frequency is 100 megahertz. And a horse may be 50, and a dolphin may be 65, and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You cannot reincarnate into an animal form, and the animal cannot re reincarnate into your form. Because it would be totally against mm -hmm. what God has given you. God has given you the intelligence, the thought process, and the ability mm. to use that which none of these animals can do. All these animals are limited to the environment upon which they are created. We are the only creation that is able to transcend all those different environments and learn from them. Mm. So, um, well, as far as, as far as coming back, I I just as soon come back somewhere else where people are a little bit nicer to each other. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Well, I happen to believe that the Bible is true, and 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 in it it says it's appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. So, and I haven't met anybody coming back. So it sounds like that's true. So I'm 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 going to count and believe that that's probably more the case than continual coming back and going around in a circle. So, hey. I hope so, because I remember the quote, in my father's house, there are many mansions, so I think that holds true. Well, there you go. Glenn Steckling, been a great time with you this evening. What do you think about this kind of interview? I, I know you've done a lot, but this, um, this has got to be a little different for you. Uh, I've done them all my life uh, for most of it, but uh, uh, oh, I like the format. I haven't used Skype that much, so that is a new adventure for me, and it seems great for your for your listeners and for those that are interested in your show and and you do a great job interviewing and uh, I like it that it's not so uh, you know heavily serious and you you know you take uh, some fun with it 
And so I uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Okay. All right. Well, Glenn, thanks for sharing your time with us here uh, on the show. Uh, we're going to put it up on YouTube, Rumble, TuneIn Radio channel, and then uh, so people will be able to watch this show again. I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. I appreciate having me. So right. you have a good one, Dan. All right. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>